back to another episode of the Muslim Mindset Podcast. It is officially 2024 and I'm so happy to be starting a fresh new year with all of you. Peace and blessings upon you all and I hope that everyone took the time to reconnect with themselves, to reflect on themselves, to put some goals together for 2024 that not only elevate them mentally and emotionally but spiritually. I also want to take a minute for our brothers and sisters in Islam, in Gaza and in Lebanon who are struggling under the oppression who are showing and teaching us how we should conduct ourselves, how much connectedness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we should have, how much tawakkul, how much strength that we are lacking, that we should all spend 2024 trying to build ourselves to even 5% of what our brothers and sisters in Islam on the other side of the world are showing us. They are the true definition of warriors. They have the true essence of Islam. They have the true belief of what it takes to make it to Jannah, inshallah. Now, our theme for the next 10 weeks, the next whole season of the Muslim mindset is all things marriage. So I'm talking about pre-marriage, during marriage and post-marriage. There are an abundance of women that I mentor in my women's community that are aged from 16, 17 years old, all the way up until their 60s. So you can imagine all of the experiences, all of the knowledge and all of the wisdoms that some of these women have. However, unfortunately, some of these women, these young ladies, do not have positive influence around them or influence of guidance or helpfulness. So I thought I would spend the next 10 weeks diving into every single aspect of marriage. And if you have been married for a very long time, I guarantee you can still benefit from episode one as much as you can benefit from episode 10. I hope and I pray that this is beneficial and let's all place the intention to listen to this episode for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and may he provide blessings, may he provide openings and may he provide healing to whomever needs it. So where to start? As most of you would know, and some of you may not know, I was actually married for close to 10 years. I am now a single mom to three beautiful children. A little background about me. I got married at 18 years old, literally on my school holidays. So I got married on my birthday, went back to school after the two-week holidays to complete my HSC. I became a young mom at 18, 19 years old, and I had my first child at 19, literally two weeks after I turned 19 years old. So you can imagine parenting yourself and parenting a child and being married at 18 years old is no easy journey. Why do I mention this? Because when I speak about this topic, I'm not speaking from a textbook. I'm not speaking from, you know, something I read somewhere. I'm speaking from my life journey. I'm speaking from the things I have learned, perhaps the things I wish I knew, perhaps the perspectives I wish I had at different times of my life. These are my lessons and there's no one size fits all. But I do guarantee you, there is truth to the things that I do provide throughout these episodes. And I can back that up because the work with women I do from all different aspects of marriage, from happy marriages to not so happy, to lacking communication, to on the brink of divorce, to coming back from betrayal and everything in between. The advice and the lessons that I do provide to all of them, they may not all be the same. But the problem under the problem that I'm trying to solve, that I'm trying to give help to, generally is. 
So being 18 years old, I was thinking, yep, I'm going to get married to this man. I'm going to be happy. He's going to, you know, give me everything I need and take me all over the world. We're going to be like Romeo and Juliet. And we're just going to go off into the abyss. And everyone who's probably laughing at me right now at one stage is saying to themselves, yeah, that was me too, or just laughing at me. And you know what? I take both of it because I was young. I didn't have the correct guidance. I didn't have the correct understanding. I didn't have the correct ideology of what being married and having a family is. I was really, really not in the best of minds in order for me to feel that another person is going to give me the things I should give myself. So let's start right there. How do you know you are ready to even look for a spouse or a potential future partner? How do you know when you're like, yep, I'm at that stage where I can let someone else into my world and that is what we're going to go through here. The things that I wish I knew in order for me to present myself to the best possible potential spouse, as well as be the best version of me for my spouse, because a relationship is a two-way street. Number one, it is no one's job to make you happy but yourself. And if you're sitting here thinking, I need to get in a relationship in order to be happy because I can share things with this person, because I'm going to have someone that's there, because this person is my best friend, because they're going to take me, they're going to bring me, they're going to do things with me, then you just need to stop. You need to stop. You need to take a step back and you need to ask yourself, What avoidance am I running that is making me believe that someone else can fulfill something that I need to give myself? So this brings me to the next point. What are the list of things that you can give yourself? And when we start to go through this list, you'll start to see how little you do need from other people if you are a healed version of you. Not all lists are going to look the same, but I do urge you to take the time to do this task and see what you come up with. And if you feel courageous enough, hit me up with your list on Instagram. You can find me at minds.space.academy. These are my top three that I will be elaborating on. Should I say my top three points that I will be elaborating on throughout this episode? Number one, happiness. Number two, self-worth. Number three, fulfillment. So perhaps these are on your list, perhaps they're not. But coming from my perspective and my point of view, every single person should have these somewhere on their list. So happiness. Happiness is something you can only find in yourself. So a couple questions to ask yourself is, what is your definition of happiness? Oftentimes people have an idea of what happiness is, but it doesn't actually apply to them. So when you break down what happiness is for you, you are then able to establish goals around your true definition of happiness. Why is this so important? Because it then makes your goals achievable. People have a sense of feeling stuck. People have a sense of voids inside of them because they lack the ability to ask themselves questions, which then question their current beliefs. And that is so important because that allows you to see the process you're running. So when you ask yourself, what is my definition of happiness? What does that look like? What does that sound like? What does it feel like? 
when do you know you're at your happiest? Is it when you're in nature, you're at your happiest most? When you're by yourself, when you're with your family, when you're working, when you're having something planned every three months that you're working towards, what is your happiness? Is it being of service to other people every single day? You know, is it when you're hanging out with your kids? Is it when you don't need to come home from work stressed out and exhausted? What is your happiness? And identifying that allows you to then establish a lifestyle which feeds happiness. If you are happiest most, for example, when you're waking up early, you're doing your fajr prayer, you're doing your other God, you're being in touch spiritually, you're being in touch business-wise, you're being in touch perhaps by hitting student goals, family goals, it is good to identify that and then create a routine around that. This is how you make conscious choices around your happiness. So for me personally, I know that I am my most happiest when I'm working towards something consistently. I am someone who needs achievable goals every single month in order to feel like I am happy and I'm working towards something. I'm not someone who can just go off into the abyss and, you know, just flow with the wind and what comes, comes and what doesn't, doesn't. I am the kind of person who needs my day-to-day life to have production. Yeah, I can let things slide when it comes to the smaller stuff, but I'm the type of person where I want to reflect on in a year's time and see, did I work towards the things that I said I was going to? And this often looks like me waking up at 4, 5 a.m., going to the gym every single day when I'm being of service to my women's community, when I'm present with my children. And, you know, that obviously looks very different now compared to when I was 18 years old. I probably couldn't have even answered this question when I was 18 years old. But one thing I probably would have advised myself is just to be present with myself. Just accept myself for who I am and just telling myself that it is okay that you're wounded. It is okay that pieces of you are broken. It is okay if you are lost. And if you are someone who does resemble those kinds of things, my first point would be go seek help. Go seek advice. Go seek self-development. And if you're unable to afford a therapist, there are podcasts, there are books, there are journals. There are so many free resources that you can get your hands on in order to work through these because it is no one's job to make you happy and it is no one's job to make you heal. It is great to have someone who wants to ride that journey with you. Absolutely. But you can't blame anyone for not wanting to because that's on you. And, you know, you're probably saying, Jasmine, but how a lot of things have happened to me, you know, they weren't my fault. You know, I'm I'm sorry. I'm really sorry for what happened to you. And I know it wasn't your fault. And I know at times it doesn't feel fair. And unfortunately, what happened to you wasn't great. But it's your obligation to deal with the consequences of the things that happen to you. And that means healing. That doesn't put aside what has happened. That doesn't mean forgive and forget the people who done those things to you. But it sets you free and it sets you onto a path of happiness, onto the path of healing, onto the path of being able to answer the questions of what does make you happy. And once you find those little things and you weave them into your day-to-day life, that becomes your lifestyle. 
and establishing a happy lifestyle then allows someone to come in and add to what you've already established, not fill missing gaps. Do you see the difference there? And just a little note on filling missing gaps. No one on the face of the earth is able to fill any of your voids, anything you're missing. Because if you don't actually understand why you have those voids or why you're missing something, that person, no matter what they present, will never be good enough to fill those gaps. So this is called running an unrealistic expectation. And when we live in an unrealistic space, no matter what that person gives or doesn't give or show up or doesn't show up, is always not going to be good enough for you. And I use the word always intentionally. It's not just a generalization because there is nothing they can do to satisfy you because they weren't the problem. The problem is the person that is wounded doesn't know what the wound is. In order to give their partner or potential spouse or, you know, supportive person something constructive to help in the healing process. And I specify this part not only for marriage. All of these advices also come to anyone in your life, your family, your mother, your sister, your best friend. They can be applied not only in a marriage, but in all aspects of your life in order to help improve that. Now, my second point, self-worth. This is probably one of my absolute favorite points because people spend so much time, guilty myself, pretending, talking a certain way, acting a certain way, being a certain way besides themselves in order to fit in someone else's box. Because they think if they fit in that person's box, they will then find self-worth. Well, I'm here to tell you that self-worth isn't found anywhere besides inside of you. It's not in someone else's heart. It's not in their pockets. It's not under a rock. It's not in the next friendship or the next relationship or the next business you open up. It's not in how many likes on Instagram you have or how many followers you have. It's not in the person that called you beautiful this morning. It is nowhere outside of you. The place you find your self-worth is within. And if you do not have a proper sense of self-worth, you will settle for a love you think you deserve. And oftentimes, that love isn't the most positive. Oftentimes, it's covered with red flags, excuses, blind spots, and need to always be better because if I'm better, then he'll accept me. It is covered with you thinking you're the problem, you cannot express your needs, otherwise you're needy, and my favorite of all, chasing their breadcrumbs. You can read all about this aspect of my life in my book, What Lies in the Heart, available on my website, www.mindspaceacademy.com.au. So there are many layers to self-worth, but the main ones that I'll focus on is being able to speak up. Stopping people-pleasing and setting healthy boundaries. These are critical in every aspect of life, in having an assertive sense of self. In order for you to have an assertive sense of self, you need to be able to speak up. Speaking up means knowing that you have value in the words that you're saying. Knowing that you have values in the space you're choosing to take up. 
Knowing that your opinion or your need or whatever it is you are advocating for is worthy of being acknowledged. And once you're able to action that, you will also minimize the people-pleasing aspect because you'll be able to say no. You'll be able to walk away from that friendship. You'll be able to say, this isn't serving me. You'll be able to say, hey, I need you to pull up your socks in this aspect and not feel guilty about it. You will say to yourself, I'm entitled to say these things. I am worthy of having my needs met. I am worthy of feeling like an important person in my own life and in someone else's life. And it's important that I specify your own life. Why? Because you need to conduct yourself in this manner first before you go throwing expectations on other people. Conduct yourself in your life in this manner in order for someone to come and meet you at the same bus stop. You also need to understand that when it comes to self-worth, you need to be teachable. You need to have a character where you're open to constructive criticism, where you're able to take accountability, where you're able to put your hand up and say, you know what, I did stuff up here. You know what, I was out of line there you know what, I'm going to apologize. I'm going to do better. Accountability and being teachable is something you should action as well as look for in your spouse in order for you to grow as an individual in your relationship. And as a couple, you both need to be teachable. If I can take away anything from my 10-year marriage, it is that a teachable character makes or breaks the success of not only relationships, but also business partnerships, friendships, family ties. Being teachable and accountable is paramount. And all of those go hand in hand in self-worth. Because if you're a person who values yourself, you will value growing, developing, taking accountability of your thoughts feelings, and actions, and also the consequences of those. We are all human. We don't always make the right choice. We don't always speak in the right way. We don't always action the best of behaviors, but it takes a better human to put their hand up and acknowledge them. Now coming to our last point, which is boundaries. Boundaries is something that so many people lack. They feel they're not worthy to set a boundary because they psych themselves out with their own thoughts. What's this person going to think of me? How are they going to take that? But you know what? If you're unable to hold your own boundary, how are you going to be able to draw the line between a love that is uplifting and a love that is debilitating? Because that's the cost here, especially when we're talking about relationships Because if you don't have healthy boundaries, if you're unable to say, this is what I accept and this is not okay, this is as far as I'm going to let this person in, this is where this person deserves to be, you are opening yourself up for so much disaster, so much problem, and so much conflicting perspectives of advice and opinions that aren't always in your best favor. And it is important to have boundaries to act as your filtration system. The best example I give to my clients is imagining a chessboard. And the people in your life are on this board. We have pawns, we have, you know, the king, the queen, you know, perhaps that's your right-hand man, your right-hand woman, there's knights and so forth. Every single person has a specific place on the board. 
And I want you to do something I call an inventory check. So that requires you going through this board and see, is the person that I have next to me as a king or a queen deserving of that place? And if not, by the way, and if not, this needs to be calculated and assessed based on the way they make me feel not how I feel about them. Do you see the difference there? And then when you look at the pawns, ask yourself, are the people that are pawns deserving of that? Are the people that are my knights deserving of that? And if they're not, make the right adjustments. You're in control here of making these adjustments. And another thing, when it comes to self-worth and boundaries, People will show you exactly who they are. It is up to you to accept who it is they show you they are. Whatever you accept is based on your self-worth and your ability to hold a boundary. If you're accepting breadcrumbs, better check where your self-worth and boundaries are. If you're surrounded by or married to someone who doesn't treat you right, who doesn't value, who isn't your support, who isn't encouraging you on the path of, you know, healing, growing, developing, then perhaps you need to get your self-worth and boundaries in check. Now, oh, second last point was the previous one. We're now up to the last point. My apologies. The lucky last point on our checklist is fulfillment. Again, there is many layers to this and in short, fulfillment is achieved as a byproduct of living life based on the other key points. I have made, If you have made internal happiness, self-worth, you're putting up boundaries, having a fulfilling life looks like being enough for yourself, being present in your thoughts and feelings, establishing a quality circle around you. Once you have the same core values and beliefs as you. Fulfillment means understanding what you require in order to feel fulfilled. Is it simplicity, ambition, aspiration, direction, subtlety, challenging your fears, connection, growing? It can be an abundance of these things. It is then your job to dissect these answers and ask yourself, What specifically can I do to achieve my ambition, for example? What is one fear I'm going to conquer? With whom do I feel most connected? How do I like to give slash receive connection? The list of informative questions you can ask yourself in order to get to know yourself are so many. And it is in those questions you learn who it is you are in order to teach your potential spouse who it is you are and vice versa in order to work towards who you both want to be together. And to finalize this episode and encapsulate everything together, I want to emphasize the most important point of all. You will not achieve happiness, self-worth, fulfillment, the lifestyle you're after, without understanding your purpose in life as a Muslim, without knowing your creator, living life according to our sharia and aspiring to walk a path of the successful men and women of our religion.
That is what will lead you to establishing the three key points I have mentioned. I intentionally left this aspect to the last in order for my listeners who have highlighted points they need to work on in happiness, in self-worth, in fulfillment, to then be contrasted against their spiritual connection. Most times we are lacking in an area of feeling or thought. And this is due to some disconnection between ourselves and our creator. It can be as simple as missing Fajr prayer. It could be shame evolved around sin and desires. It could be about not understanding the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if these things are coming up for you, I urge you to listen to my previous episodes as I dive into controlling the nafs in many different contexts and perspectives. What I will finish with is a beautiful ayah from the Qur'an, Surah Al-Baqarah, ayah 187, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And this means, they, your wives, are a garment, and you are a garment for them. Now, I take away this. It is evident that we must be mindful of the garment we are as well as the garment we are attracting. And this will enter the theme of next week's episode. For now, give this episode a like, comment, share. My goal for 2024 is to grow this podcast to as many Muslims as possible and none of that will be achievable without your help. Until next time, subhanAllah, alhamdulillah.